Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to the live Ganymede and Titan almost instant reaction dwarfcast for series 12, episode 3, Time Wave. Get ready for a massive release of endorphins over the next hour and a bit, as we will be flouting the rules of the SS Inconium with wild abandon to tell you exactly what we thought of this episode. Plus, we'll be checking in with some fellow fans to canvas their opinions over the airwaves. Uh, if you haven't seen Time Wave yet, firstly, congratulations. Secondly... <laughs> Secondly, this dwarf cast contains massive spoilers, so it's probably an idea to switch off now. But if you have seen it, then please do get in touch throughout the show via the live chat on our Spreaker page or by tweeting us at Ganymede Titan. I'm Ian Symes, and for the first time this series, I have some fellow GNTers in the room at the start of a live show. So please welcome <laughs> John Hoare. Hello there. Tanya Jones. Hello. And in slightly worse audio quality, Danny Stevenson. And we're also joined by my own personal inner critic from the official Red Dwarf fan club, <laughs> it's Joe Sharples. Hello. So, who wants to go first? No one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will break convention. I think that this was the worst episode of the Dave era. That's uh, without doubt. I'm going to reassess my opinions on Crytek TV and Pete Part 2 in the coming <laughs> months to decide how far down the scale it goes. Anyone else? Um, I, I'm not totally convinced it's the worst in the, the veritable smorgasbord <laughs> of Dave episodes, but um, I laughed a couple of times. Um, I think that's what rescues it, really, is that there is a couple of, of nice jokes. The rest of it, though, I'm... I, uh, I'm going to have a hard time writing my review. Put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think that I said I didn't you want to do this one? <laughs> um, I thought it was a poor episode of Red Dwarf. Um, <laughs> that uh, I, I, I'm still trying to work out how offended I am. <laughs> offended in terms of your uh, liberal uh, leaning sensibilities or your taste in comedy? Both. Okay. <laughs> Who hasn't gone? Joe? I did not enjoy this episode. <laughs> I went in with low expectations and yet. I was still disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Danny? I really yeah, liked it. it <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not my, um, it's not my, it's not my favourite, but, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like it. There were some really good moments in it, but other than that, there, there, there's, 
there's not much to kind of talk about. <laughs> oh, I'm sure there'll be plenty to talk oh, about. Oh, I'm sure there will. <laughs> um, where, where should we, we begin? I, I, do you know what? It's weird. This is. <laughs> I think this is the first time I've been live on a Dwarfcast where I actually have no idea... <laughs> Where to start? I have a big list of things I want to say here, but none of them really seem to sum up no. any how, of my feelings. How about the concept of the time wave? <laughs> okay. What do we think of the concept of it in the first place? Oh, yes. Yes, good point. Yeah, really good point. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I... You have to do better than that. <laughs> no, no, I, I think we both, I think, well, definitely on the first watch, you're just sort of, you know, taking it in. And then um, I think uh, the second watch, me and John looked at each other and went, what were they doing? What, what is it meant to be doing, though? Because I don't think it's doing anything. Well, there's one bit where, and I'm going to quote, I actually have the quote here. He's made I noted notes down, I've made notes. <laughs> the bit where they're hit by the time wave. And Kat says people have had acid trips that have made more sense than that. Mm. All we saw was a wibbly effect that we've seen a million and one different times in however many episodes of Red Dwarf there have been. This is not matching up already. That effect was not extreme enough for Mm. what Kat has just said. It was just a wibbly effect. That's it. Well... Wibbly effects are a standard joke in Red Dwarf that have been deconstructed. <laughs> Within the, the point, episode, it deconstructs it because so, it has the print off from the JMC computer saying it's a wibbly thing in space. So yeah, why have we got all those lines? And then it follows on from there, and it's like, but wait a minute, you've not. This is the same series that did the Unreality Bubble. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not like they haven't encountered that kind of crap before. They enc- they've encountered far worse, in fact. <laughs> so I don't know what the wi- what that's all about, really. The weirdest thing about it, and not, uh, not as in the weirdest thing about the time wave itself, but about that it being in the episode. A, it's weird that it was named, the episode was named after what is really minor, it's just like the means by which the plot is delivered. It's yes. not the plot. Um, but they set up what the time wave does and set up Rimmer saying, I can go back in time and be rich. And then nothing happens of that. Yeah. <laughs> they, like they set up the possibility that the time wave is going to, you know, it can take, it can bring things from the past, or it can send you yeah. to the past. Surely it makes sense if you're telling a story about what the time wave does. You show both of those things. Yeah. See, this is reminding me of kind of worms and mm. the uh, unfulfilled promise of kind of worms. Yeah. Um, I put this on a, a par with kind of worms. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I quite. I... Like, the concept had promise, (laughs) (laughs) but didn't deliver on it. Like, Mm. um, I think they could have done something really interesting with it, but they just didn't. There was, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there were the idea, again, I mean, we got the idea of, um, of criticism and the effect that has on someone and for good or for bad mm. and you i mean you had it was like um i i really think if if doug wants to explore this that he sets up his own ted talk <laughs> rather than write an episode of red dwarf around it because i don't think that works especially as especially the way he's done it um which just left me feeling a little confused and i yeah it doesn't doesn't Everything in that episode seems to be trying to 
yeah so we got the the timey-wimey thing that just sets up them going to this planet thing uh and then people are well, so, you know, someone yeah. made the point on gnt and i can't remember who it was so soz if you're listening but the, because we all knew that this was the pink policeman one and it was the criticism ship having the time wave there as a being the episode title and b seeming so important early on we knew that that's not what it was about mm. because it had been built in a different way yeah, yeah. Mm. it's i think it's yeah we we i mean we didn't get a very satisfactory introduction to um that ship and no. that rule and why they've got that rule um it's 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 not it's basically used it's used very arbitrarily as it well. It really reminds me of uh, the novel Incompetence by Rob Grant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because the, the basic gist of that is that um, due to political correctness gone mad, uh, which let's not dwell on, on the fact that Rob Grant has written such a tome in the first place, but uh, due to political correctness and the EU, um, you're no longer allowed to... Uh, discriminate on the grounds of incompetence and so you get people doing jobs that they're not qualified for and that they're shit at but you can't do anything about it because of the culture that mm. is grown around them mm-hmm. yeah um and that is the effect is similar to what happens in uh time wave on that ship where they've got the lift maintenance people working in the kitchen uh, in the hospital and the hairdressers are trying to repair the lifts and that was a little bit Golga Frinch and Bjark as well, but uh, not as good. Yeah, I think the problem they've got there is that you can't very adequately see the consequences of that kind of policy. Mm. All you're seeing is a guy in twelve, several people, and lots of people, sorry, lots of people in silly costumes. Yeah. And although, and I don't really know what the, the point what that what that serves what what point that's trying to make um apart from people are being who they want to be and that well and why, that's bad. why that's is the problem. why is that automatically why does that automatically mean that it's someone in a silly costume this, this is where it comes down from with me that i think the idea of banning criticism is an interesting one and i think it could be done in an interesting way but all that leads to is criticising people for how they dress or how they act. Um, this bizarre camp character, why is he camp? What is that saying? Yeah. Um, and bear in mind as well, that when around around fandom there has been discussions of a camp character that some people are going to find offensive. And I didn't think I would. <laughs> because I thought this was going to be fucking time on Tony all over again. <laughs> and I genuinely thought people were were overreacting or, or I was going to be... I, I, I didn't think I would feel like this. But no, I was offended. I like mm. Taiwan Tony and I was offended <laughs> I think, by this. I think the core thing, that there's a core similarity between the two in that the joke on paper is not necessarily the same as the joke as it appears on screen. I think in both of them, the interpretation of the character 
that's at the that's kind of the result of of what the joke is trying to be. <laughs> this is a really bad sentence, but in <laughs> the point that was trying to be made with Taiwan Tony was uh, a point about racism and sensitivity around racial issues, mm-hmm. and the point that was trying to be made here is that if you uh, if you don't criticise people, it can backfire, uh, and criticism is a healthy part of life. However, both of these are tainted, in my opinion, and only one of these is tainted in John's <laughs> opinion, by the implementation of the characters that embody that joke. With Taiwan Tony, I think it was a mistake to make him talk in that way. And with in Time Wave, with the crew of the, the ship, I think it's a mistake to make them all wear pink and <laughs> for some of them to be cross-dressers and for them to walk and talk in what would be stereotypically described as a camp manner, I think that changes the meaning of the joke. I don't Mm. get what they thought they were doing. Honestly, I don't understand it. And the thing is, there is... Look, I'm going to bring up something that I liked, because I think it's about time. How how long are we Uh, in? 13 minutes in. Right, 13 minutes in, I'm going to bring up something I liked. Uh, One bit that I really thought was quite funny was the... um, uh, video on the wall of someone acting and the line I'm a fruit, a lovely fruit, let me play the flute. <laughs> yes. That was funny. Fine. And I'm happy with that because Target there is a bad actor. Yes. Well, I'm happy with that. It's self- there, there's yeah. nothing offensive Self-in- about a bad actor. Self-indulgent acting yeah. rubbish. It, it reminded That's me funny. of like the kind of thing you get on like, Arena or something mm, like that yes. in the 70s and the 80s yeah. when and, it was a bit weird. And even yeah. the even the um, Tate Modern reference. Look, I mean, I don't particularly agree with the fact that the Tate Modern's full of shit. I don't think that's true. I do think it's a reasonable target if you want to make it a target. Mm. Um, I'm not offended by jokes about Tate Modern, even though I don't necessarily <laughs> agree with them. Yeah. But I am offended by... A camp man walking around in a dress and people being told, especially the idea that people expressing themselves is bad. Yeah. I really the, object to that. The episode is way. inviting you to think that these people are uh, 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 should be derided or you yeah. should be yeah. annoyed by them. And or I get actually that in many ways the acting thing is a, is a similar way, but that doesn't feel quite as offensive to me. Mm. That's not as specifically attuned to what someone is. Um, I mean, as we're as we're on the topic, um, and I did I did notice something about um, people uh, talking about that on Spreaker. This particular joke about um, Rimmer and uh, where he where they're talking about Rimmer's in the critic, and actually this is not. It's a it's a perfectly valid idea, but I think we have visited it several times over the course of Red Dwarf. Um, and we might have got all we could really get out of it. Um, and the him ranking women. Yes. Yeah. Um, I don't see a problem with Rimmer doing that. I think Rimmer would do that. Mm. Entirely in character. The problem you have is when you set up Rimmer doing that and Rimmer is having a hero moment, which is what's kind of happening. Rimmer's beating the system because he's too, his inner critic's too loud for the system to cope with. Uh, And that's portrayed as a a generally positive thing because that ship's not, uh, that ship's not being touted as as a way to be. Yeah, it's Um, defeating the the enemy. It's defeating the big bad because the ship's portrayed as the big bad, really. Um, and so you've got a, a little bit of a problem because I think every single time before when Rimmer's done something like that or when Rimmer's behaved obnoxiously and that is obnoxious behaviour um, he is g- 
given a comeuppance fairly yeah. swiftly afterwards. And he's not here. Or even you've just got Lister looking at us and going, Rimmer. Yeah. That, That's yeah. enough. Yeah. Hmm. But... Some condemnation of that. It's not something that I... It's something that sort of flagged <laughs> when that came on. I was thinking, oh, how do I feel about that? I had been leaning to the side of it's fine because it's in character, but I, that is a valid point that I hadn't considered, that it's um, it's not admonished. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's too many lines and ideas in this episode that I'm really uncomfortable with. Mm. I mean, this isn't this isn't a Dear Dave thing where it's one line, however you mm. feel about it, even if it's really, you feel really badly about that one line, but the rest of it's kind of fine. Mm. Just constantly throughout this thing, I'm just cocking my head going... Really? Several, yeah, several moments. <laughs> I mean, if we're talking about the critic Rimmer section. Yes. Spit on a wrist clitoris. What the That bit's not offensive in, in no, this sense, it's but it's offensive to me <laughs> as someone who, who likes jokes. <laughs> it insults my intelligence. <laughs> that just reminds me of lemonade oh, and a really God. large scotch from uh, back in the red. But it's at that... least that's a joke. At least that bit, like, the word... <laughs> The word aid conta- is contained yeah, you- within the phrase lemonade and a really big scotch. <laughs> Glitteris and spit on a wrist don't even sound the same. Was it someone on G&T who suggested it should have been slitterous? <laughs> slitterous. <laughs> because oh. I think that's a funnier think- joke. Yes. I've got to say, Daryl on G&T um, said casually last night, I can think of 12 reasons why that joke doesn't work. John's man said, go on then. And he did. <laughs> I highly recommend uh, reading Daryl's post on the Let's Talk About thread. I mean, ABBA were fond of using English for rhyming puns, but even they, I think they might have passed on that one. Spit on everything. And another another thing, another reason it doesn't work, which I'm not sure whether I've seen mentioned, is that the point of that is it's supposed to show Rimmer's resentment towards his brothers for giving him bad advice. Mm. His brother didn't give him bad advice, he just misheard (laughs) it. It's not the brother's fault. (laughs) The brother's trying to be nice. And how is it? We're talking about clitorises for the second week in a row. Well, actually, and we've also got a reference to the Om song for a second week in a row. Yes, jokes what? about Lister's guitar for the third week in a row. Yeah. This isn't good. It's weird. It's really repetitive. And mm. within this episode, there was uh, the cat did the uh, it oh, wouldn't be a bad thing if Rimmer was dead joke. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, when it was hollow ship and it's quick, let's get out of here before yeah. anyone brings him back. Fantastic. But three or four of those in the same four. episode. Four. Yeah. Joke ends. Oh, this is. Oh, I have a real problem with that because it just ties back into what I was saying on on the Dwarfcast last series, where it's like all it makes me think is I've had enough Red Dwarf. I, <laughs> I, as in, I if that's what the show's doing, I've seen it. Yeah. So you need to be doing things that I haven't seen, and if you're just doing the stuff I've seen, it's not even about the show at that point, it's about, well, man, I've watched this too much, because if you're not off, if that's what you've got to offer, I'm done, I'm, I'm off to watch W1A. <laughs> Can I offer a positive at this point? Please do. Yeah. It's been about uh, seven or eight minutes since the last one. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking of jokes that are back references, here's the one good joke in this episode that I really laughed at. Whereas Crichton say uh, Rimmer saying I invoke Space Corps Directive Five da 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 shut up Crichton <laughs> yes, yes. yeah that's good that which I think it was John's mad pointed out is quite similar to one of our dwarf castings <laughs> that Chris Barry recorded can I bring up the yew tree 
joke. I, if anyone was going to, I knew it would be you. <laughs> now, because you said casually last week, I wonder if I can get a Jimmy Savile reference into every dwarf cast. <laughs> the thing is, I don't have a problem with Red Dwarf doing a yew tree joke at all. Um, I don't even have a philosophical problem with it being out. I don't have a problem with the Red Dwarf doing contemporary references. But the line is, rarer than an ungroped ungroped bottom at the BBC in the 1970s. Now, that's a description, really. It's not a joke, per se. I mean, that's what it technically is. But you you need to... You can't just state something Mm. and say, that's that's what people think Family Guy is only about. (laughs) (laughs) You think that's embarrassing. (laughs) It's like, you you need you can do a yew tree joke and I want I'm perfectly happy with that, but yeah. you need to do something that is, is a bit cleverer yeah. than that. It, it, yeah. Does, do you think it falls into the category of offensive? Because I think it's uh, any no, there should be no subject that is barred from yeah. comedy, and I it's one of those again that I flagged and I thought, am I offended by that? And I think I'm probably not. I don't think it's at the expense of the gropies. It's just not I a very clever line. I think that's unclear. Is yeah. The thing. Because I think it is a dig at the BBC, but the joke is, haha, the BBC did nothing about people being groped in the 70s. Mm. So, so it's not really all like aimed at the BBC. Right, yeah. So I, like, I'm not going like, I find this offensive and I'm never watching this show again. But... Um, but I don't I think, think it's a good. It's, it fits. I, I think you needed to. If you're going to touch that area, you need to be clever. <laughs> touch well, that area. That, that, unfortunately, <laughs> that's cleverer than what the episode did. You you can if you are doing a jokes jokes about that area it is incumbent on you to a make them funny and b do them well. Yeah. And if you're not going to do them well, please stay away from those areas. <laughs> Uh, yes, D- well, Daryl sums it up as he often does. I was offended by how badly it scanned. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's my main that's exactly it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, in, that's epi- exactly in an episode it. that's got plenty of duff jokes and also plenty that you question, it probably stands out a bit more. Like, <laughs> yeah, it, it draws attention to itself is, well, as it's one of yeah. several. It's the yeah. same problem that we have with every, or certainly me. <laughs> um, I have of every episode that I don't find very funny is that you, yeah, everything so you suddenly suddenly going ow ow ow, <laughs> and, and if you're not laughing, you can kind of let some things go that you might like. Like if you stand it alone, might you might find mildly problematic or you don't think is very clever or whatever. But if you don't find it funny, it is a sort of right. <laughs> okay, let's it, go into the next bit. Is this the time to bring up that line from Cat then, seeing as we're actually talking about this ship? Yeah. Because yeah. I really don't want to. <laughs> it's the, out of the way. It was such a moment for me on first viewing. I'll always remember it because it's such extreme reactions <laughs> from me <coughs> on the sofa watching it. Because I really liked the line Hey there, Captain Asshole. <laughs> I think that's funny and unexpected. Yeah. What came next was more unexpected. <laughs> but it's just horrible. Yeah. It's just horrible. It's, it's horrible and it isn't even in character. No. Is what bugs me. Yeah. Like, it, I don't understand. Why did he go off on one? Like, like if they had shown beforehand he was getting fancy <coughs> at being on, being on the ship because the ship was going to fly into this thing and he was, like, getting slowly mm. kind of 
aggravated you could understand why he all of a sudden like mm. would turn and then start going hey captain asshole blah, 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 like but it was like from nowhere all it's, of a sudden yeah just... and this is also it's weird because cat doesn't generally go off on one in no. that sense you'll get because he's he's basically a um a punchline machine or yeah. a, a one-liner machine really but i kind of i don't know i i like I like the idea that Cat would, would, I mean, it's the standard thing of Cat just getting him into trouble. Cat doing it? what's wrong. Cat doing yeah. what's wrong, which I yeah. kind of get. Um, it's just, I'm not saying you you can't have the line, flatter than your wife's droopy ass titties, capiche and red dwarf. All I'm saying is, you, <laughs> you need to be able to justify that. And the justification has to be quite extreme, oh, and not a, <laughs> and not only is the justification not even slightly there, but but what? Why would Cat never says things like that? Yeah. And also, uh, you're right. It, 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 it him him just saying, um, "How dumb is that guy?" gets a laugh. Yeah. Hey, Lieutenant Asshole. That's fine. That's funny. But why? Did, I don't I don't get how it was written. I don't get how it was performed and I don't get how it made the edit. I don't get any of it. Why no. would you think that was an acceptable line? It was it was needless because uh, as we said he'd already done the thing that had got them into trouble. Yeah. yeah. You didn't need to lay extra on top. Yeah. No. I think it only I think it's not in char- not out of character for Cat to have fucked it up in the first place and say those first two exactly, lines. Exactly, absolutely. But the issue with it is just how ugly the language is. Mm. Yeah. It's not just that it's it's not just that it's a, a degrading and offensive to women. Yeah. <laughs> and if it was, that would be bad enough. But the lang it's so violent the language. It's just, it is. It just feels so wrong. Mm. I don't all what it feels like to me and I can't put myself in the minds of anyone on the production but it I'm it just I don't I presume they I presume it didn't feel like a violent as violent as, as, mm. and as unpleasant as it came across at least to us I can't believe you would write that and think that's what's needed at this point yeah um so I the don't... tone just shifts so badly in that in, in that one instant yeah I, I don't get it. I don't. I don't get how it survived. How many steps you needed to get that to air? Yeah. And we haven't even touched on because <laughs> the language was horrible, but also the whole concept of I'm going to insult this man. How can I insult him? Oh yeah, I'll describe oh, yeah. the physical characteristics of his imaginary wife. I must. Uh, I it's. In, I'm entitled to insult this man based on what his wife looks like. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm going to put one thing. In favour and in inverted commas <laughs> of of what's going on, I don't think we're supposed to be chuckling and laugh, laughing and thinking Cat's great mm. in that moment. But then, uh, Lieutenant Asshole is is designed to make you laugh, mm. yeah, definitely. Yeah. And uh, yeah. he's but well, the thing: how dumb is this guy? That is designed to make you laugh. Yeah, because of the way yeah, because true. of the way the line sounds, true, true. and because of what it means, you are you're actually supposed to be on his side on those ones, aren't you? Yeah. I think right. you are. Think yeah, because he is right. because Johnny Vegas's character is being an arsehole and he's yeah, being you're dumb. Right. You're right, and so <laughs> no, I take it back. I've got nothing. <laughs> okay, I've got nothing. <laughs> well, success. 
I've I've done the opposite. I've I've drained your non-criticism. <laughs> <laughs> I've extracted your inner positivity. <laughs> By the way, just while we're talking about that scene, I am right in thinking that that corridor is the Red Dwarf corridor redressed, aren't I? I think so. I haven't. <laughs> I was distracted. Look, the uh, <laughs> I'm trying to talk about something else that isn't. Um, I think I saw the grill in the background look very much like the grill um, at the back of the corridor on the red door i it just occurred to me actually um moving on to something which gained a positive reaction from a lot of people and i think sort of works but um it is the uh reversing mechanoid yes thing unfortunately as far as i can say they fucked it up Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I'm glad I, you're agreeing. I was going to say this, but do go on. But, no, and the problem is, is that it's absolutely fine the first time around when he's making his way into the room. Yes. <laughs> it's not a problem. Perfectly funny. Fine. The problem is, is that you see him turn round and then you hear it again. <laughs> and he enters funny. frame forwards. So, you know, so well, why is it going now? He's not reversing. <laughs> All yeah. he needed to do was end the sound effect earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something it. really simple, and I, I do find myself sort of banging my head on any available surface because in in sheer frustration. Well, I, I think that'll be fixed in time wave remastered. Yeah, twenty years. <laughs> oh, I just, with more wibbly effects. I think that's one of the things. I, I don't. I think I've seen it less in this series, but I just I get so frustrated when I see jokes that could that are perfectly fine just get fucked up because <laughs> of lack of care and i i just don't it, it's so annoying because there's not like there's a shortage of really bloody awful moments in this episode <laughs> and i like i would like to cherish each good joke that yeah. works and isn't incredibly offensive and they took it away from me and I don't like it i've got another example of a joke that would have been fine were it not for it being slightly <laughs> fucked up and that is Planet Rimmer. The entire way through the episode, it's described as Planet Rimmer. Its name is Planet Rimmer. It's a fucking moon. Yeah, and he yeah. specifically he says, says that as well. This gas-filled moon, the sun around which this moon is orbiting. It's a fucking moon, mate. It's a fucking plow. Also, um, the joke that Lister makes there would have been quite a good joke if I hadn't seen it 20 million times on the trailers. Well, you've got to pick one sacrificial joke. I guess. There's always but, jokes that get repeated on the trailers. But for this particular episode... Why did they sacrifice? So yeah. <laughs> Take it from oh. a one that's got more than one joke. Can I bring up a line that I did actually enjoy? was uh, uh, Vegas's Pink Policeman saying, uh, we've had a report of some illegal castigation. Yes. <laughs> there was some nice rhythm. In our, I'm not sure that Jokes are good, but the rhythm was nice. Okay, Johnny Vegas scene. then. Let's talk about Johnny Vegas. Discuss. Uh, but I've been told uh, quite uh, <laughs> quite comprehensively on the chat that I'm overreacting to the Planet Rimmer thing. <laughs> because <laughs> R- Rimmer would probably call it Planet Rimmer even if it's only a moon and I concede that point. Okay, that's not... <laughs> I, I now like the episode. Yeah, <laughs> that solves everything. Uh, I, 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 I wrap this shit up <laughs> So Johnny Vegas. Johnny Vegas. Um, Waste. I, yes. Waste man. Yeah, I, he really, he tries to, to sort of um, bring everything out of the bag there uh, to sort of make, make what is a, a fairly weak character <laughs> work. Mm. Um, why has he got a pink policeman's helmet on? Why? I don't know. We don't know why it's we pink, don't, do yeah. we? 
<laughs> no. Um, it doesn't really seem to serve a purpose apart from going, ha ha, big pink helmets. They, they didn't even do that joke, did they? They, no, they, even, did. they, they didn't even do a cock joke. <laughs> Come on, people. Oh. It's right there. It is right there. But what they did do was um, show him coming into his pants. <laughs> oh. Yeah, see, that's where I start getting a bit. Um, I I did. Let's try and say something nice again. Um, I think it's been. uh, (laughs) I I I think he's had the funniest um, Crichton's head joke in a decade or more. Where the uh, uh, where circumcisions go wrong, yes. something from where circumcisions go wrong, so we can, which I enjoyed. There was a dick joke in there somewhere, but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. not nearly enough. It appeared. <laughs> I enjoyed like what he was saying, like that whole bit where he was just like, "Oh, like, I'm criticizing. It's really good." Mm. But I think I would have preferred it if he was like, if he was more like happy, excited rather than erotic, excited <laughs> <Yeah>. about <laughs> about erotic. doing that. I think that's Johnny Vegas trying his damnness. To, to to make to make it work, I think because that, yeah. that that is Janice. That's Johnny Vegas. I mean, having watched him on stage quite a few years ago, um, begging an audience member to suck his nipples. <laughs> As, I mean, that, that's that's what he does, and that's fine. Um, Can I just? Yes. I was just going to mention something because to say the the the, the, the dopamine or the, the whatever the chemical gets released makes you feel like as if you're on cocaine. Yeah. I always thought that it was like a cocaine like reaction he was getting that was making him basically act like that. Well, I think the problem there is his turnaround is far too quick. Mm. He goes from, you know, being the person holding this to all of a sudden click turn around. What is it? The second or third time second time, third time we've yeah. ever seen him. There's no motivation for him. Well, there's a number of times that happens in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I d- you needed some kind of seed for him changing, or you need to spend more time with him to see him change more slowly, or you needed something. Mm. It's, it's it's difficult because I I I think part of the problem as well is that there's no real again I I don't get a lot of sense of jeopardy in in. Um, recent dwarf yeah uh the, the sort of supposedly bad things happen but i don't really feel it i don't they often get resolved not yeah. <coughs> not very long after they happen mm. like the the scene in cured when we cut to them all in mortal danger and then mm. you know one montage later oh, yeah. everything's fine yeah and yeah is this the point that john made about uh, Johnny Vegas changing his mind incredibly quickly. Yes. The denouement of the episode, the whole thing where everything wraps up with uh, Rimmer's inner critic being banished, that's followed by Ziggy saying, hmm, I guess maybe our entire philosophy is wrong. And then <laughs> and then he's just... He's very, very quick to denounce really his entire is. philosophy. Yeah, it's, it's just, just, that's it. And then it's done. And then it's finished. It's like, come on, you, you must have a bit more conviction than that, surely. I really, I, yeah. <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, plus, there were two other guest stars that we've not really mentioned. I want to mention one of them because uh, I know her. Uh, it's Amrita Racharia, 
who is uh, was the waitress who ah. didn't really have much to do and was in it for seconds and was the only woman in the episode as well, I noticed. Um, she's, uh, yeah, again, she tries her best yeah, she's fine. To, to, bring, to bring some life <laughs> she, to she what is a, to do. a crappy... She's, she's become slightly more famous <laughs> since this was filmed. Uh, she's in a show called The Good Karma Hospital on ITV and I heard the social media for that show is very good. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a guy from Broadchurch... Uh, Tutting. I thought he was quite good. Oh, I, I should, yeah, I should recognise him. <laughs> oh, yeah. okay. um, I, I actually yeah. thought that was quite funny. Mm. The t- to be fair, yeah, yeah. tutting. Yeah, I well. thought. I think. I, that, he... I think if everyone on the ship was, it had his mannerisms. <laughs> or, you know, was that you know non non under the top performance. <laughs> I don't know what the opposite of OTT is, so I'm going for under the top. If everyone. <laughs> If everyone was as under the top as under he was, I think it was, suit- it was suitably intense. Actually, actually, that's the that's what um, you would be like in that sort of totalitarian uh, regime, which they are trying and completely failing to to bring across. I think hmm. he's doing really well. He's the one kind of reading what's going on and. Providing what you need uh, in in his role, but it's only one role, and he's only got like a limited amount of time. Yeah. But he does he does he very well. This is the thing when you say totalitarian state, all I'm thinking is: imagine if you'd shot this like Back to Reality. Mm. Imagine if it looked and felt like Back to Reality, yeah. and you gave it a bit of actual fucking menace. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think it's. Uh... It's about time we heard from someone other than ourselves. Oh, please. Fuck it. Um, for the first time in the series, actually, we're going to uh, bring back a feature that we had in series 10 and then like, kind of forgot to do last year. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, inviting people in as guests uh, to, uh, to quickly chat and give us their opinions on this series. Uh, we're just dialing up the first of these, and I may have to fill for time a little bit longer until she answers the phone. Um, what comments have come in? Lately, uh, people are talking about Crichton's mask looking weird this episode. I, no- I did notice a shot right at the end where they're in the canteen with the uh, with Ziggy, and the episode wraps up really quickly. <laughs> Crichton seems to be sort of hunched down in his costume, like his mm. collar, his shoulders come too far up. There's just a weird thing where there's all kinds of little things like that that I would usually be interested in talking about, but but <laughs> I'm not... so it's like oh that's a model shot I've got to see. No, I'm too busy thinking about the pink policeman. Yeah. Um, have we talked about um, Ziggy's outfit ah Uh, well we've talked about it in the (laughs) in the discussion about how it may be uh, offensive to suggest that cross-dressing is wrong however uh, the outfit itself if it's not exactly the same then it's very fucking similar to uh, Volva's dress in episode 3 of Spaced Mm -hmm. Uh, Volva as played by David Williams of uh, pudding fame. <laughs> <laughs> it is, there was an article today about it and everything. It's literally the same dress, we think, with some more uh, mm. extra What's bits it? on so top. Where's that been sitting for the last few decades? That's what it's I want like, to know. It, you know. It's like the... Um, what was it? The This was something that was discovered on G&T. There's a, um, a, 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 a whiteboard prop uh, like a flip chart prop that was used in Big Train and in the League of Gentlemen. Yeah, it's the, it's I the one that, with yeah. uh, Babysitter and Brumble Picker on it from uh, the Job Club sketch. That's just oof. yeah. So where's that come from? Um, I don't. I don't think our we... first guest is coming. Um, <laughs> she's 
she's not um, accepted the invite yet, so but we can just carry on. Yeah. Um, I've got I have some... some stuff that I have on my list. I made a list also. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I something I quite enjoyed. <laughs> something I quite enjoyed um, was the um, reference to the what well, the second drawing that they came across. Of, oh yeah. Uh, First Lieutenant Edward Moore, 34 and a half. <laughs> I thought it was, it was quite nice. I mean, it's kind of niche. In yeah. Probably, it'd be mostly our, our fandom that would recognise that, but I did enjoy that. And also, um, the you spotted this in the credits uh, when we were re-watching it. There is a, a guy who works on the show called Ziggy. Uh, the console operator is a man called, or a woman, I'm not actually sure I shouldn't assume, called uh, Ziggy Jacobs Wyburn Uh, so it could be a reference to him do we have our first guest it looks like we do (gasps) Uh, they're making noises ladies and gentlemen uh, our first guest of the evening is uh, a fellow member of the official Red Dwarf fan club Uh, it is Shelley Smith um, what's your what's her fucking job title? Like staff writer for <laughs> the for the magazine. Excuse uh, me, senior staff writer. Oh, sauce. <laughs> Does that mean you're just quite old? That <laughs> <laughs> no, means I'm the boss of myself. <laughs> so yeah, great way to welcome our first guest of the series, everyone. Um, Shelley, uh, did you like this episode? Because um, <laughs> please, please say you did, because we needed some variation in opinions. I really liked the opening shot. Oh, good. <laughs> After real. that, not so much. <laughs> then it all went a bit downhill. <laughs> yeah, quite quickly, to be honest. Yeah, the um, the rarer than an unwrote bottom gag didn't sit well with me. Yeah. Or anyone. <laughs> um, I mean, I get why they made it. They're making a dig at the BBC, which I get. But there were other jokes they could have said there's enough sand here to pay Chris Evans his salary yeah <laughs> you know there was there was something there I didn't like I didn't like that um, and I think as John said it just it wasn't funny that's the, really that's the main issue. It wasn't funny. I think you can really kind of sum up my entire contribution to GNT. <laughs> it wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. And normally you like the shit bits as well. <laughs> Have we all seen W1A? It's really good. <laughs> can we just turn this into W1A? <laughs> um, and Kat uh, Kat's um, droopy ass titties line. Yes. I, I actually paused it when I was watching it to stop and react properly. Ugh. Because it just because didn't because you were laughing so <laughs> Where did the cat learn to talk like that? Because cats don't have tits, so he's learnt that on the ship. <laughs> From who? See, the problem there is all I can think of is Lister, and then that just gets us into a horrible, <laughs> deep rabbit hole of <laughs> unpleasantness. Yeah. It was just really strange because that's not language that the cat uses. I've always thought of him as quite innocent and childlike and to come out with titties in any context just doesn't make any sense to me. No, I've I've always I was saying I was saying that to John actually. It, he's quite a naive character. Always has yeah. been. Um and it's so it's so odd to have him suddenly come out with that. Um it seems really so it's a little bit like I, I, I don't know quite where the inspirations come from 
Yeah. No. It was it was really odd, but in quite a similar vein, and I don't think you've mentioned it yet. Um, Lister snapping at the waitress. Yeah. Rude to her, and I thought that was quite unlike Lister. Hmm. He was kind of laughing and joking one minute, and the next she said said to Rimmer, "Are you criticising me?" And it was, "He's not, but I am. His food looks gross, and he's quite stropping all of a sudden." Yeah. Yeah, that di- that that didn't sit well with me, and I wasn't sure why. But I think, it, yeah, it's like that's not Lister. Yeah. Lister's nice. No, Lister's the guy that goes well, yeah, and I mean, shakes the, the hand. The guy that came in cell with the tutting guy. Yeah, it was a handshake and how you do it, mate, straight yeah. away. And yet, to a waitress who's done nothing wrong, he's a bit of an arsehole. Yeah, I mean, well, the only thing she did wrong was to pour coffee on Rimmer, and Lister really wouldn't give a shit about that. I'm surprised. Well, yeah, exactly. I'm surprised. Care about that. I'm surprised there wasn't a joke from the cat saying, "I'm glad your testicles are scalded." Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. I again look just to say a line I liked. I did like Rimmer saying, "I wouldn't mind ordering a fresh pair of testicles because these two are ruined." Yes. <laughs> so, but you know, oh god. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, that was odd. The other thing that um, I thought was odd, when they were in the cells and Lister moved from that single bed to the top of the bunk bed, it was a really awkward move, and I'm not sure why he did that. (laughs) Did he not fit in the shot before? Did he have to... (laughs) Had he missed his mark? Yeah, it was. was. It's like he just lay there, like, sorry, I wasn't in shot. Is this better? (laughs) 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 Like old BBC drama productions where they couldn't afford retakes. (laughs) Yeah, it was odd. Because, like, obviously he backed off initially when the guy sounded really gruff. But, yeah, like, it was... I felt My focus was Lister at yeah. that point then because he was, like, climbing up the, be- the bunk beds and getting on the bunk beds. So I wasn't paying attention to anything else that was going on. It was... Yeah, it was odd. I thought he got up there for a really important reason. Um, now, was, it to do, was it to do with Crichton wanting to take some sample of his boots and it was easy to do uh, when he was possibly. up there? Possibly. Ah, so there's there's no in story reason yeah, for it, but it's a practical. Just to say, Crichton getting down on his knees. Practical. Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> That's a really lovely image, isn't it? That's <laughs> a really weird thing as well because they they need like a sample of this helium seven stuff, and Rimmer's got a fucking handful of it. That was another weird thing. It this is something that when I first viewed watched the episode, I thought this doesn't make sense. This hasn't been resolved, which is. Earlier on, when they're still in Starbug, Lister playing around with the sample, and then he sort of when uh, Lister, when Wimmer comes in, he drops it. I thought when Crichton started saying we need some um, some helium seven, I thought the joke that they were going to do was empty your pockets and Lister protesting that he didn't have any because he nicked it, and Crichton saying, "Oh yes, you have it's in your pocket." I thought that was going to be where they were going, but he just scrapes yeah. it off the bottom of his shoe. Yeah. And it wasn't until second viewing that I noticed that it does resolve, but in a way that is, shockingly for this episode, too subtle. <laughs> because when Rimmer comes in the room, Lister drops it and sort of brushes it under the table with his with his like foot. Kicks it under the table. So that's ah. how he got bits of sand on his foot. But they and don't. Crichton was there, so he knew that, and so that's. But that's it. a tiny detail. That, but, yeah. Yeah. I did not spot that. It's it's set, it it looks like it's going to pay off later, and it does, but you don't notice it paying off later. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Apart from that, I mean that. Apart from that, the, I loved it. The characters that have been in every episode so far, it's getting a bit much now. That, yeah, again with like with the guitar references and the om song references. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously, there's nothing wrong with being camp, but the the camp people are in there to be made fun of. They're just figures of fun. Foff. And aren't they silly and look at them fighting? It's just a bit much, isn't it? See, the the problem 
my biggest problem with this episode is I Red Dwarf at least for well comedy as a whole needs a little bit of confidence in in it and you need to like sometimes I'm happy just to let a line go. It's yeah. like I'm not sure about that, but I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure no problem, nothing unpleasant was intended. Episodes like this make me look at every episode of Red Dwarf with a cocked head, and automatically on the lookout for something that I don't like or something that might offend me. And that's a really bad way to watch any comedy. Yeah, but these kind of episodes, and actually same with Can of Worms as well. It just puts me on edge before I even get into the opening titles. And that's possibly the worst thing about it. The fact that it makes me look at every other episode in a less than charitable way. Yeah. Hmm. Did you have any more uh, points to make, Shelley? Um, nothing that you haven't already said. Uh, You've been very this is, this is the flaw with getting people onto work like, after a while. <laughs> we did have a lot to say about this episode. Was there, were there any good bits? <laughs> did you take um, away any positives? Only things that you've already said. I really liked this mechanoid is reversing, but obviously it was spoiled because he's not <laughs> Now Tanya's ruined it for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I enjoyed You Still Utterly Suck, Sir. I thought that was really funny. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Oh, uh, the diner. I don't think we've mentioned the diner. I really like that set. Yeah. The set, yeah. Yeah. I set <laughs> the, lo- the look of it was really good. Um, yeah. The point that I have to make about that Uh-oh. is... It's another part of the episode <laughs> ruined. Is that if you... Well, if I was immune from all criticism and could wear whatever I wanted, I would wear my pyjamas all the damn time. <laughs> I would not wear... A fucking raspberry costume <laughs> or like yeah. fancy cosplay <laughs> outfits all the time because that's a lot of hard work. I'd wear pyjamas, slippers, and fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> and well, uh, yeah. would and you like to no tell the ladies and gentlemen somebody what? Somebody would be naked. <laughs> well, yeah. Why, why not naked? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it did kind of imply that if people could wear whatever they want and not be criticised for it, you would wear fancy dress all the time. But we're not all four year old children, so I don't think that worked. <laughs> Especially well. <laughs> there you go. Another scene ruined. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> oh well. Oh well. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, thank you very much, Shelley, for coming along and uh, making more points in <laughs> in the in the minus <laughs> column. <laughs> I, I'm sorry that we got you on an episode where you had to come on and be so negative. Uh, yeah, so I feel really bad. Well, I tell you what, why don't Sorry. you um, come to our house in two weeks' time and um, sit on our sofa and talk about an, another episode with us, and hopefully that one won't be shit. <laughs> All right, then. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, thank you very much. As long as you promise it won't be shit. <laughs> I, I, I'm <laughs> not in a position to make that promise, I'm afraid. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, until then, uh, thank you very much, Shirley Smith. Bye. 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 Oh, hang up on her. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, right. What comments have come in while we've been talking? Um, Are so, there any good ones? Um, something are, good you can say. Something there laudable. Some, there are some people that don't hate this episode. Mainly Ben Saunders, I think, <laughs> I think is the main uh, defender <coughs> of it. He, um, every time we make a point, he seems to be saying, no, that was fine. Uh, Cy Bromley said earlier on Twitter that he liked the episode more than most and was worried that we were all going to take the piss out of him, so shall we? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
There you I, go. I can't be bothered. <laughs> no, <laughs> but he's uh, he's made the point that the uh, there was another Crichton best guess. Yeah. That's <laughs> <a> really <laughs> sad face. <laughs> <full of> notes. <laughs> Good point. Oh, sorry, Ben Saunders has qualified that he did hate the episode just for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I can support his um, his efforts to be contrary to us. Did That's fine. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to hate it. Let's be honest. Mm. It was very series eight, wasn't it? <laughs> That's the That's the kind of the elephant in the room <laughs> that no one wants to draw a comparison to. <laughs> Because we don't like Series 8. I think we may have covered this over the course of the last... Well, although I'm here, who is the most positive (laughs) about Series 8. So do you want to know what I think? Go on. Thing is... (laughs) The the point in this episode's favour compared to Series 8 is that if you, say, take Pete Part 1 and Pete Part 2, this episode had a single idea. Mm. Yeah. That was... Badly executed, but it was a single idea that took place across one episode. Apart from all the extra stuff with the time wave that didn't really need to be there. Yes! And yes, the yes. fact that the Rimmer's get-rich-quick scheme was never resolved, uh, collecting the Helium 7. But at least we it was did, one episode. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know in advance. I couldn't place that scene from the trailer, like them discovering the moon. I, could, I, I couldn't figure out which episode it fitted into. It turns out they didn't really fit. Can so. we talk about that scene a little, by the way? Yes. Why did it look worse than Thanks for the Memory? <laughs> the green screen. I don't get it. No. I, d- I actually poor. genuinely do not understand. I, I thought it looked shit in the trailers, but I thought, hey, maybe in context and when we see a bit more of it, it just it looks awful. And I do not understand how the show made something look better in 1988. Mm. I don't get it. I don't understand. And there's... Green screen in in recent years has been mostly fine, hasn't it? I, I can't remember there being too many bits. I think in Dear Dave, you can kind of tell when it's green screen on the set and when it's not. But that's it's not that it's bad green screen. It's just that it's it clashes with what's real, and obviously it's not going to look as good as a real thing. But I can't remember seeing uh, in recent years seeing something on green screen and thinking, "Oh God, that's awful." I think they probably did need to just go on location like they did. Yeah. But thanks for the memory, and yeah. like they did with Blue, as far as I yeah. recall. People are pointing out that um, thanks for the memory was location, this wasn't. I think that is the point you were trying to make. Yeah. It's yeah. That yes, they, indeed. Yeah. Why couldn't they go out to a quarry like they could in 1988? Yeah, yeah. Or, or why didn't... I mean, you know, you start getting into how the budget now compares to the budget then, and I do not know enough about that to comment. Yeah. All I'm saying is that they managed something in 1988 that they didn't manage today, yeah. and that just strikes me as weird. And just because technology has moved on, we shouldn't accept it being worse than it was. Yeah. Well, it's interesting um, because I'm reminded of the Nightmare Geek Week episode yeah. where you've got all As these... introduced by Crichton, incidentally. Well, there's your link because there wasn't anything else. This is just an excuse for me <laughs> to talk about Nightmare. But very, very briefly, um, all the computing technology... Computing technology? That sounds like I don't know what computers are. <laughs> All the technology, all that, adv- all that shit that's advanced so much in the decades between the original series and the Geek Week episode, and it looks so fucking cheap, mm. the, the YouTube uh, Geek Week episode. But the reason why it looked cheap is because it was cheap, and the reason why the original Nightmare looked good is it had a healthy, good budget. And advances in technology do not always disguise the fact that your budget <laughs> yeah. may not be there. And I can only assume that's what's happened here. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think it's fairly safe to say that when you take inflation and overheads into account, then this they have less money now than they did in 1988 in real they, terms. They must do, yeah. <sighs> um, I noticed um, a couple of people in the comments saying that they did like this episode. Perhaps they could explain to us what they liked <laughs> about this episode. Yeah. Because not, I, not, like, not because we want no, to take the piss, but we just like genuinely would, want some balance. Yeah, like we'd like to hear the positive side. It would be side. nice to be able to say some nice things that we can't find ourselves. Yes. Like, perhaps <laughs> you can see something that we can't. Uh, there, was a, there was a line in the diner that, that got me that I just wanted to mention because it was something that genuinely got a really good laugh out of me was when um, when she spills the soup onto Rimmer's bollocks and she says, uh, would you like anything else? She goes, yes, I'd like some new testicles because these are ruined. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the, yeah. the testicle stuff is strong. Uh, I did like the line uh, Johnny Vegas's pink policeman uh, gave where he said, you've made this uniform an object of ridicule. Yes. Which was... It was A, a funny joke, and B, seemed to have a self-awareness about it that the rest of the episode did not always display. Mm. Um, Updates of what people liked about it. International Debris says that... uh, She says, I laughed a lot in this episode. I think it worked on a purely comedic level. Sai says it just made me laugh a lot. Um, Paul Muller liked the space effect shots in the diner set, mainly the production shots. Um, Tim Shaw, I enjoyed it and I laughed. Do you need any more? Yes. yes. <laughs> like, why? Like, what was it? Because we're able to obviously say what we don't like about it. So it would just be nice. I'd just like to know what other people like about it because maybe that will make me feel a bit happier towards yeah. the episode. Like, what exactly yeah. is Talk it? Talk us into yeah. it. Go on. Come on. Go on. Convince us. Lily says, there's plenty of lines that made me laugh and didn't leave me confused, like most episodes do recently. <laughs> The, I, I can sympathise with that, certainly. The, the plot wasn't confusing, it was just virtually non-existent. Um, yeah. I, saw, I, I, I can genuinely sympathise with feeling confused at the end of an episode of yes, Red Dwarf these yeah, days. definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, should we uh, try calling up our next uh, Skype guest? Yes, I can do this. Uh, yeah, the the gist is that International Debris sums it up... Um, that during the chat, which we've not always been able to reference, uh, people have, have have quoted good jokes that they liked. If you take those jokes and ignore the rest, then it's great. <laughs> so <laughs> I get it does depend. Like your mileage may vary on all these things. If you're not as offended, shall we say, or as put off by some of the bad stuff in this as we are, then you uh, then you might not react as badly to the episode as a whole as we did, but... and you might be able to get more enjoyment out of the bits that aren't shit than we have. I have yes. brought up I mean yeah, I brought up a few lines that I thought were good. But yeah, I didn't really laugh at them because I was too busy being confused or upset or annoyed at the last bit that I didn't like. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think um I I do get sometimes that uh criticisms where I think um, we're kind of accused of overthinking things or taking mm. or, or being too keen to find fault. I mean, we're a fan site, and that really, as far as I'm concerned, is kind of our job to to expect good things from a doctor, expect it to be good. And I think there is um, a problem sometimes if you are going into something with low expectations and going, oh, that's not as appalling as I thought it might be. That's not necessarily a positive thing. But um, 
it's uh, yeah i don't see it as a bad thing that we we really really want it to be good um it's a it's a supportive mindset it's not a negative mindset just because you you are criticizing something because you're disappointed doesn't mean that you um are criticizing the whole idea or whole existence of that thing and weirdly enough when the episode managed to talk about some of the useful points about criticism that's kind of what the episode was saying my problem with a lot of it was that what i thought was some interesting points and interesting discussions then got blitzed by weirdness that didn't seem to make sense yeah which is really frustrating (laughs) because it didn't seem to really end up going down the whole political correctness thing that we thought it might do and that's what i was a bit on edge about and it didn't really do that that's that's the frustrating thing about it i think for well i think for both of us um that it's taking it's an interesting topic it doesn't go exactly where you might expect it to go um which is the rather kind of you know simplistic oh political correctness so that's good that's great um unfortunately it doesn't really do justice to the topic i don't think the execution of it um is very good and i think it completely kind of obscures any point that doug may have been wanting to make and i think that's a shame enough filler Uh, (laughs) we're brilliant filler (laughs) we uh have now sorted out the problem of uh google not fucking remembering joe's contacts (laughs) and uh added uh our good friend to the call it's time for pendo's time wave car please welcome please welcome danny pendo pendleton hello 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 how do you do we do quite well thank you (laughs) (laughs) Um, what did you think of the uh, Red Dwarf episode, Time Wave? I thought it was fucking brilliant, you know. Nice shite, it was the I've had the fortune to watch in my entire 31 years of life. So, uh, there we go. <laughs> well, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad we've got these guests on to enable us some balance in the uh, proceedings. Uh, have you got things to get off your chest do you want to just rant away Um, well I can't do it how much time has he got (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll see (laughs) Um, yeah well you know you originally told me to come on this because you you had concerns about one of the characters yes Um, when I saw the pictures come up I thought it was going to be Johnny Vegas because of the pink outfit and I was all prepared for hating the hell out of Johnny Vegas in this uh, in this episode but I actually really really enjoyed Johnny Vegas I thought that was alright what I wasn't prepared for was Ziggy um, I can honestly say when he appeared on screen I did the most comedic um, cartoon character jaw dropped to the floor that I've ever done <laughs> uh, Just it just stopped me in my tracks I just gobsmacked um yeah i don't know if it offends me or not to be honest um personally not directly offended by it but i can totally understand why a lot of people will be and it's something that is very very uncomfortable it sits very uncomfortably with me um yeah, it's it's not good, is it? <laughs> no. it's, it's one of those things. It's like 
after series 10, I said that my fondest hope for series 11 and 12 was that we wouldn't be sat around a microphone having a conversation about was this offensive or not. Yeah. And look what's bloody happened. <laughs> I think we've managed to get through most of series 11 without any major problems that I can remember, but... Here we are, and it's just that the motives are so unclear, I think, is the problem. Yeah, it's not the fact that the characters camp so much. I mean, we've had camp characters, you know, more so nowadays than we have. But, Mm. I mean, just the past two episodes, we've had uh, Hitler, we've had, um, what was his name, Excalibur. You know, two camp characters in the last two episodes, but they worked really, really well. And the reason why I think they worked well is there was no sort of sexuality applied to them they were quite asexual characters whereas with Ziggy I felt like there was a sexuality applied I felt like he was a gay character uh, there's nothing in particular that made me feel like what you know there, there was the comment about Lister's uh, voice being cute and then he's stroking his feathers in a very um, sexual way as he's talking about you know um like draining them and things like that. And mm. I just felt like this character was a gay character rather than it just being a camp character. And, you know, it, it made it a lot more uncomfortable for me. Uh, it, it's a massively inappropriate stereotype of gay people that they're, they're, they're playing on there in the episode. Uh, there's no sort of... I wouldn't mind it so much if there was a, a, a positive view Yeah. so much to contradict the negative view. Not that the character himself's negative, but the way we're supposed to feel about the character is what I'm trying to say. Um, Yeah, yeah, we're we're um, supposed to look at him, how he is, how he's living his life, and make a judgment on him. Yeah. 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 Like, I think the intention was... I think the intention... I don't think there's been any sort of malice in it. I, I just think it's been massively done in bad taste and massively overlooked I don't think Doug's intention is I'm going to take a piss out of gay people and whatnot. but um, I feel like the intention was that because of no criticism the character felt free to come out the closet be who he was um, you know he can wear what he wants I mean I've been to plenty of gay pride marches I've seen gays dragged up to the nines and people camp as Christmas I mean that side doesn't bother me. People celebrate individuality and choices. You can do what they want. It's all fabulous. But I felt we were made to believe that that character was wrong for yeah. feeling that way. Whereas it should have been celebrating the character's individuality rather than making us believe, you know, that that character needed someone to tell him he shouldn't be dressing like that. Yeah. He needed someone to tell him that he shouldn't be that camp. If he wants to be camp, if he wants to fly around in a dress and whatnot. I'm all for that. It's annoying as fuck. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I felt we were supposed to dislike the character for that and that the, the Red Dwarf crew disliked the character for that reason. And the cat says, so go bring back Scorn and ridicule as soon as he meets him because yeah. the cat feels like that character needs to be told he shouldn't dress like that, he shouldn't act like that. And that's what sat uncomfortably for me. It seems I, it seems really weird that the cat would say that as well. Yeah, well, given yeah. given what the yeah. cat dresses, he's quite in. flamboyant. Yeah, and you've, and, you've, and you've got the four of them flapping off down the corridor yeah. at one point, and the last person we see is the moral compass of the crew, Lister, pulling a face. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, like no. the thing is, I think they could have done. They could have kind of done that if they were going to use cat, and because it's, it's like cat saying scorn and ridicule. I'm just like what. But if it was, if it was like a specifically fashion-based thing, I think they chose the wrong fashion. Right. Yeah. Um, but if it was like you know, cats said in the past, oh, you know, like socks with sandals and yeah. like, things like that. It was that if it was that bout with that dress, come on. Yes. If that was the thing that cat was offended if that by, that <laughs> was what he was offended by. I can understand that, but I feel like oh, it's a man being really camp in a dress, and I like. It just doesn't sit well. So, did they pick the wrong subculture? Should it have been hippies? Should it have been goths? Who's who should we have picked? The hippies quite a lot throughout the episode, wasn't it? Yeah. It was mentioned later on when uh, Rimmer was going to be drained that he was going to turn into a hippie, and I felt like the music was sort of implying like a hippieish culture. Mm. But the the that character of Ziggy is by no means any. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe if it had been like they were all disgusting slobs, like they didn't shower, like they had dirty clothes, and no one had criticised them for that, and they all yeah. stank or something. Yeah, Maybe been a better way to go through it. I because, think. I think that. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I just, <laughs> that would have been much better. I mean, I just mixed think was massively misguided with writing that script. That I, I, his intention wasn't clear at all. There, there was no sort of message. To, to go along that, or if there was, it was the wrong message that was yeah. being portrayed through that, which it, it just made me very, I keep using the word uncomfortable, that's the only way I can describe it. I wasn't particularly offended personally, but I can see other people being offended by that and understand, and rightly so, you know. I think that's a good thing, though, is that point, though, is that um, they could have gone down the, oh, you know, they're really slobby, like gone down that road instead in which case that could have brought something more like towards Lister yes who yeah. is notoriously slobby like yeah. there could have been here you know there's there's kind mm. of other routes they could have gone or if they'd have done a mixture of like some people just not giving a shit about what they were wearing and then mm. other people like wearing entirely glitter or, or yeah. like whatever if there was a mixture but it just felt like they were all they were yeah. all like really overly cosplayed fancy i think yeah i think the outfits. focus really should have been on the incompetence i think that's what yeah. uh, what the original idea of the episode was about mm. that's um, what it suggests that's least, what it suggests yeah. uh, but it's, it goes off in sort of other directions you, you get it gets quite it trips up yeah someone said it trips itself up yeah. A few people were saying in the comments about was Ziggy the captain? But Ziggy says, oh, let's go and find the captain. But he seems to be the person who <laughs> is talking to them all the time about yeah. stuff. So is it in the same vein as, oh, yeah, no, well, the engineers are at the hospital. Like, is he... Is he's it? not the captain, or he's supposed to be the captain, but somebody else is being the captain. Oh, I God, wasn't I clear. I, I don't, don't know. fucking know what's going on. Here. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the least of its problems. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt like, as well, it wasn't just Ziggy that was, you know, the, you know, the the, the gay character. The whole ship seemed to be camp. I mean, we've already touched upon why did the crit cops have to be wearing mm. pink outfits? Why were the other people in the in the cafe wearing overly elaborate costumes. I got the impression that uh, again the people in the background there were wearing quite effeminate clothes, and I felt like the whole crew of this ship uh, were a take on gay characters and gay gay culture. And it, it just 
I don't get why, you know, Ziggy, I can sort of accept on a sort of weird sort of way. But why does a whole ship have to be gay as well? It's, it's really strange. Wouldn't it have been better if instead of having a camp corridor, and I can only describe it <laughs> as that, wouldn't it have been more potentially more amusing and also added a bit of jeopardy for the corridor to be unsafe in some way mm. falling apart mm. where the people who are supposed to be doing the job in keeping that safe are not doing that and the wrong people are doing it that would have added a bit of jeopardy and that's just, again got rid of actually, the whole that's just reminding me that this is basically um there's a simpsons episode is kind of based around this idea and the simpsons do it right where you have a man who a, pre, a sort of preacher type person oh, who yeah. comes to Springfield and ha- preaches this philosophy of do what you feel and mm. things go things unravel quite quickly because, because people yeah. don't do their jobs or they don't feel like it so they don't do it, which is that that seems to be a better way of having tackled that topic. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> that wasn't done. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you have anything else to go up your chest, Pendo? I've got another 20 pages of notes. Okay. <laughs> Why have we all made notes? <laughs> I made notes. I think it's because... I, yeah. I make notes. <laughs> if you you know, gonna... I've not really got any other things. I've just made comparisons as well to like Series 8. So I know some people have been comparing it to Series 8 and I think Doug's view of camp people hasn't changed since Series 8. So like, we have Dr. Lucas McLaren in Series 8 to has his suspenders or whatever the hell he was wearing oh, yeah. when he's in the toilet. And again, that was another image that just made me really uncomfortable in, in Series 8. And it's sort of, it's, it's reminded me of that, really, that this view of gay people or of camp people or, or whatever just hasn't improved over time. So I just feel it's about time that um, Doug wrote into his scripts a, a positive uh gay character or you know yeah. someone who doesn't play to stereotypes you know but well d- you d- can't we? depending on uh whose tumblr you read he's, he's written one with several <laughs> <Careful now. laughs> that's uh, it's open to interpretation <laughs> each of them uh, oh man <laughs> there's a lot of just heavy sighing <laughs> it's not fun is it it's not fun it's to not. it's actually not I, and i do think people sometimes think that we enjoy it and i, I, really I genuinely do not as i said we really 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 want red dwarf to be good and it's quite upsetting when we don't enjoy it i always um the only thing in my life that is comparable is when aston villa lose a big game it's that kind <laughs> of like it's something that's completely out of your control but every part every fiber of your being wants a result of some description whether it's a positive result for your football team or for your favorite show to be really good and when you lose 5 nil or you get time wave, you feel like you've been punched in the guts. Yeah. And through no fault of your own, you find yourself sad and disappointed and upset. Like, I, I had the unfortunate moment earlier on because I wanted to rewatch the episode before coming on here. So when I got home from work, I put it on. And uh, my partner came home with his friend, who, and she's never seen Red Dwarf before, but she recognised Craig Charles straight away. She's like, oh, it's Lloyd off Coronation people. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I felt embarrassed the fact that i was watching this episode with all with just the fact that caroline who's never seen red dwarf in her life and this was her first experience oh, of red dwarf was time wave oh, i dear. felt embarrassed <laughs> that she knew that i was a red dwarf fan 
So she must have been Thanks thinking, what the fuck do I watch? Because <laughs> it's not a good introduction episode for anyone, I suppose. This reminds me when my mother sat there and um, I watched Partners in Crime. <laughs> and that was the first time she'd seen a Doctor Who episode. Oh, God. Yeah. <sighs> <Anyway>. <sighs> well, listen, uh, I think we need to move on at some point. <laughs> Uh, Pendo, as you as Pendo kind of alluded to, I did get you on here. I had a I had a reason to get you on for this particular episode, but yeah, the way that you've uh, you've prepared and spoken about it far more eloquently and intelligently than any of us have managed. Uh, in all seriousness, you just nailed exactly yeah. my uncomfortableness in a way that I couldn't, a way I couldn't do it. There you go, you've nailed John. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth you coming. <laughs> Oh, Anna came. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> Some positive game jokes. Here we go. Uh, thank you very much, Pendo. Uh, we'll speak to you again soon, I hope. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye, Pendo. Bye, Pendo. Bye, Pendo. Now, I think it's about time we let these poor people have a wee. Yeah. So, um, we'll go for a break shortly. Keep your comments coming in via our Spreaker page or by tweeting us at Ganymede Titan. Uh, we probably don't have that much time left on the episode, but uh, after the break, we'll be sticking our noses into your small points. So if there are any details from Time Wave that we haven't yet covered, and I'm not sure there are, <laughs> uh, but do let us know if you've got any small points now, and we'll be back after the break. Oak Furniture Land's bank holiday sale ends Monday. needs the knock test. This is how real wood should sound. Not only can you see the quality of our furniture, you can hear it too. Just as a thought. Our bank holiday sale ends Monday. One, two, one, two. Okay. Right, let me handle this list. <clears throat> this is acting senior officer Arnold J. Rimmer of the Jupiter Mining Corporation transport vessel Blue Midget. Now, listen to me, New Zealand. I'm only going to say this once, so leave those sheep alone for a minute and pay attention. Red Dwarf on TV4. Just watch it. British Comedy Wednesday, 10 past 8 on TV4. Smack it. No veneer in here. No veneer? In here? No veneer. In here. No veneer. In here. No veneer. In here. The Oak Furniture Land Solid Summer Sale. 100% solid hardwood furniture at up to 50% off. No veneer in here. Solid Summer Sale. Now on. 20 years on. It's party time! And still going strong. We are unbelievable. Celebrate two decades of Red Dwarf with the Body Snatcher Collection DVD box set. And I think we all know what that means. Series 1, 2 and 3 remastered and remixed plus all new extras. Also on DVD, Just the Smegs. Over two hours of special features. New Red Dwarf on DVD from ABC Shops, Centres, Retailers and Online. I see a land, a land without wobbly dining table, flat packs or Allen keys. Where exclusively designed furniture is made using solid oak, a place of dovetailed joints, beautiful detail. So let's furnish the land with oak furniture land. 
And there's up to 50% off, too. Uh, sorry, folks, I'd forgotten that that um, ad break was almost entirely Oak Furniture Land adverts. <laughs> that, was, that was the one from Office of Rimmer last year, if you're using school. Um, so we've got some small points. I'll, uh, I'll start with a few small points from the internet uh, so that we don't cover all the points that other people want to yes, make. Um, ben Saunders says there aren't enough stars in at least one of the model shots. Um, and some of the model shots are a bit janky. I don't know what janky means. Um, and Sai says the planet with the rings around it looks shite. Janky uh, means shite. Okay. Um, Paul Williams says of Crichton's mask being all lumpy and bumpy, uh, though if there's an episode in which it, this is fine, it's the one in which it's compared to a botched circumcision. I think that's, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Tim Shaw, even though I liked the episode, the ending was abrupt and I felt like I'd just been woken from a fevered dream. I think that's uh, probably an accurate way of thinking about the episode. I, I do have a point to make about the ending, though, if we're on that point. Yes. Um, I've heard a few people say, oh, this is just another abrupt ending. Blah, blah. It was an abrupt ending, but I think this ending was more forgivable than one like Officer Rimmer. Mm. And the reason is, is that Officer Rimmer didn't resolve the story or didn't get anywhere. It just... Yeah. And yeah. gone. This resolved everything then did a joke at the end. Yeah. Now, you may not have thought that joke was funny or worth doing or should have been the episode, and I probably agree, but it is a joke, not a plot point. Yeah. Uh, Curtis's small point is that Howard Goodall was the only good thing about this whole mess. Uh, yeah, music was fine. Some of it was um, recycled, but I can't quite place it. Tracos. It's that where Lister goes to whack death on the head. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, and there's also when um, when there's when Critrim is talking as well. There's that, there's two cues in there. One of them's the sort of um, doomy sort of uh, timpani stuff, and then there's the actual build up that minute long sequence when Lister's defusing the bomb. <laughs> now in future echoes, they're placed together, but they're two separate cues. But they are also both in this episode. It's a little weird, actually, some of the reused music cues this year. I don't know. Mm. I've found them a little more... Jarring's the wrong word, but... More noticeable, perhaps. More noticeable. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, it's nice that they're using different cues rather than the same one for the fucking models, for Yeah. Yes, the start... It's the point that... who Was it Capsy made it last week? Yeah, or? he did. That they, they always seem to start the episode with a cue that was previously used for the middle of the episode, and it doesn't feel right yeah. like the way that the music ends. I don't know what they're doing with that. Yeah. I don't understand why you do it. It feels yeah, like they've forgotten why yeah. the music was composed in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chris Carter, um, his small point is that how few scenes set on board Red Dwarf there's been this series. There has literally been one, I think. Uh, the start of Siliconia. Or it does, where does Cured start? No, they're already in Starbuck at the start of Cured, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because We're they're no- starting it up. We aren't seeing that bunk room set very much at all. No, tell a lie, it's the poker face scene. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, there's a poker face scene that starts Cured. There's yes. the uh, Crichton being everyone's dog's body scene that starts Siliconia. Yeah. Nothing in this episode. And that's it. Yeah, sorry, mm. you're right. Absolutely. So maybe the balance is a bit wrong because I think that we've got at least one or two predominantly Red Dwarf set ones coming up, which we'll, we may get to. Um, so who in the room has a small point that uh, they'd like me to examine? I have a small point yes. to thrust into your hand. Okay. <laughs> um, 
All right, so the bit at the end where uh, you've got Rimmer's inner critic that is like confidence and paranoia and like terraform, but mm. let's gloss over that. I enjoyed Chris Barry's performance as his inner critic, and I enjoyed the makeup especially, but I got very confused as to what exactly was happening. So yes. someone can fill me in on this maybe. The jar thing that the inner critics appear in, it gets knocked to the floor. And suddenly, Rimmer's inner critic rises up. I need more than that. I'm missing two, three shots there. Yeah, I think them showing the the flute guy's inner critic earlier was showing that, like, when they drain the the inner critic, it actually has, like, a proper corporeal form within the jar. But because Rimmer... has so much criticism within him it it has broken the machine and it is too big to be in a jar right um and so it becomes like this whole big person i kind of think that um i would have liked them to have had a bit more trouble defeating it (laughs) um and something that i just thought which might be a really shit idea, but I kind of amuses me, and I need to find things that amuse me with this episode. <laughs> um, would be if when they left the ship, they had the li- a little tiny version, because they still had to keep going. They hadn't finished the job of defeating this criticism, <laughs> so they had a little tiny critical river in a jar, and that was the gift that they had to take away with them. And I think that would have been quite amusing for mm-hmm. me, anyway. Yeah. It really felt un un unfinished and I was missing again with my problems with the storytelling that I had with Siliconia I'm, I feel like I'm literally missing shots that are telling the story here yeah. I, there was a bit where I didn't clock what was going on when they first started the process on him uh, and he says my parents were lovely and supportive and nice I didn't clock until the second viewing that that was him trying to resist the system yeah. by being yeah. overly positive. I thought that was the yeah. effect that was already taking place. Yeah. Right. That they'd yeah. already extracted it and he was saying it and the yeah. reason he was yeah. saying it in a weird way was because no, it was alien that. to him. I didn't no. get that either. That could have been clear. I did, but only on the second time yeah, when I was really time. looking. Yeah, because it confused me so much the first time yeah. I looked out for it. Uh, Danny, has John stolen your small point like he did last week, or have you still got yours? No, he totally stole it. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Danny. No, sorry. Right. You, lovely. you, you it's talk first next week. That was that was my point. But you mentioned it and went on with it, but it's fine. You can take my small point. And you can fucking have it. <laughs> <laughs> we go to you next week first. Sorry. Um, um, go on. I, I have an actual small point. So do I, not, but you can carry not, on. Uh, attached to John's small point. Small point in which time. Which was the uh, retcon schooling stuff for Rimmer. Oh, uh, yeah. Like what? Like He went to St. Timid's. He went to this school where they were all really nice to them and let them do whatever they want. Yeah. What? It's Yeah, it doesn't really fit, does it? Um no. Oh, I quite like the name of the school. I that made me chuckle, but I, yeah, it's it doesn't really fit in any prior character history of Rimmer that we're familiar with, yeah. and it's just sort of come out of nowhere. And also, it, again, this was another thing that made me feel a little uncomfortable. The kind of person who sits there slugging off sports days where everyone gets to take part, etc. They're usually not very nice people. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
and this just felt a weird place again for the for the for Red Dwarf to go. Yeah. Um, I should point out that Clem made the exact same small point in the comments as Joe ah. started talking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Clem. Jinx, Clem. <laughs> Uh, my small point is that um, when I mentioned the SS Inconium in the intro, I had to Google it to check the spelling uh, without noticing that later on there was a sign in the episode that said it. And it's spelt E-N-C-O-N-I-U-M in the episode. However, when you Google that, it says, did you mean Ecomium with an M? Mm which means a speech or piece of writing that praises someone or something highly. So it's one of those, ah, the ship is named after this type things like we had with uh, the Aspasian last week, which was a, a Roman emperor, mm. and that's why they have gladiatory things. And the ship in Cured was something as well, but I can't remember what it is. But they've they've chosen to spell it incorrectly. Maybe <laughs> it was an incompetent sign writer. Yeah. 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 <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I, I don't have the strength to argue. So let's, let's just say yeah. Any, any other small points that anyone would care to mention? We've actually gone through every single thing I've written down. Oh, good. At least this this broadcast is thorough. <laughs> um, so, should we talk about what's coming next? Yes. Uh, next please week? do. Uh, please. And we do. really hope that it will be better. Dear However, God, be this was the one that I was a bit concerned about in advance. <laughs> this wasn't the one that I was concerned about in advance. So, <coughs> fuck knows what's going on next week. But no, next week is the one. It's Macocracy, which has the word cock in it. Um, it's a weird title. <laughs> There's no two ways about that. It's the one where the all the machines go on strike and Rimmer and, Lister, uh, Rimmer and Crichton have a presidential election to decide who is in charge. Mm. Uh, we've seen a clip of it in that um, James Buckley interview, um, and that's about it. That's all yeah. we really know about it. I'm going to assume, uh, in lieu of any further information, that this one is set, if not entirely on Red Dwarf, then mostly on Red Dwarf. The, yeah. the plot sounds like it's a kind of... I don't want to say bottle episode, but it sounds like it's a self-contained episode. Because yeah. it also contains, according to the teasers that Doug uh, provided for SFX magazine... This is the one where the cat needs glasses as well. So there's two plots going on, which is why I was cautious about it in advance, because <laughs> multiple plots going on set entirely on board Red Dwarf is not always a recipe for success. Here's one thing I want to know, and I genuinely do not know the answer to this, although I presume it's out there. Is the medical room set that we saw in 11 still around in 12 or not? And I don't know, but... Well, you should pay more attention to my um, trailer analysis and teaser analysis. Oh, am I <laughs> Am I incorrect? What have you said? Um, no, the, it's in at least one of the trailers ah, or right. teasers. Well, I don't actually read your stuff. <laughs> uh, which small point were you pointing out to me? Um, I was just pointing out, um, Pendo uh, in the comments said that he saw Macocracy film live and can confirm that it is much better than Time Wave. Oh, good. <laughs> so... Good. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, I've got no reason to think that it will be shit based on what we know. <laughs> no. It's just a bit of caution. And to be honest, if anything, after this week, like it can't get much worse, can it? <laughs> I, but... I'm, I'm optimistic that I will enjoy next week's episode yeah. much more than I enjoyed yeah. this one. I think it's, weirdly enough, it, 
almost has the opposite effect with me in that it puts me on such... I feel like I did with kind of words. It puts me on such a downer that I'm now going into next week with arms folded, mm. frowning, and that's not how I want to watch Red no. Dwarf, and it really frustrates me. I was saying to Joe earlier, uh, before we were live, that um, if this wasn't Red Dwarf, if this was a show that I hadn't watched since I was a small child and ran a fan site about... Uh, which obviously nothing is ever going to stop me from talking about and watching Red Dwarf but if this was a normal sitcom that I kind of liked and I saw that I'm like, eh, shall I keep this in the series link? Like, <laughs> shall I bother watching it next week? Uh, so yeah, we're, we're really positive and hopeful about <laughs> next week's episode. It would, it would be very interesting to hear the layperson's yeah. feelings about this episode and I'm not being well, sneery there's a lot, I really no, not. there's a I mean, lot of there's a lot of praise on Twitter and I, I think like Twitter is often a good gauge of how the general public are feeling because it's not just the people that are in our fan community who think yeah. about Red Dwarf a lot and mm. Red Dwarf is very important to them it's it's everyone who watches it and if you look on the hashtag in fact I posted some stats earlier that you know the the reaction on Twitter has been the sentiment report has been really positive both episodes that have aired on Dave so far. Mm. Lots of people are talking about it, and most of them are being positive. Um, we, we will see if that's the case when Time Wave is aired next It'd week. It'd be interesting, but, won't it? Yeah, I wonder if it's you know. Well, Pendo was saying that he was embarrassed that, <laughs> that a friend of his saw him watching it. Well, my my friend who um, watched Cure Two is not a fan in any way. They like comedy, but they're not a fan. Mm. Um, particularly Red Dwarf watched it and they said oh I, that was they watched Cured and said oh that was really really good I really enjoyed that that was better than most comedy I've seen mm. these days and I just thought that was really interesting as a kind of a yeah. non-insular yeah when you're not comparing it to past Red Dwarf basically yeah. if you're just judging it in its own merits it seems better but yeah but I will ask him what he thinks of time wave <laughs> good <laughs> and report back yeah. next yeah. week uh, but uh, unless anyone's got anything else to add to this post-mortem no, no. Uh, I think that's just about it for tonight um, we dropped our news section so uh, we'll see if that's back next week to uh, to play the news sting that I prepared for the season <laughs> I would like to use it at some point but uh, that's about it for tonight uh, thank you to our guest Joe Sharples a very big thank you to all of you who listened along live and commented and a very, very big thank you to our online correspondents, Shelley Smith and Dan Pendleton. If you missed any of the show and you and you want to hear more of it, <laughs> it will be available on www.ganymede.tv and all good podcast feeds tomorrow, that's Saturday, uh, followed at some point uh, later by our in-depth review of Time Wave, uh, courtesy of Tanya Jones. Oh, God. Good luck with that. <laughs> Uh, however, we'll be back for hopefully a much happier live Dwarfcast <laughs> <laughs> next Friday at 9pm. And over the course of this week, we will be holding elections to decide who's going to host it. Uh, and my money's on Ian Lee. So until <laughs> next week, Ed bye everybody. Ed bye. Thank Christ. Thank you for listening to TNT Dwarfcast. And we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. Goodbye.